welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. Amy Anderson is an internationally recognized Grammy-winning conductor and producer. Named by British music critic Norma Liebrecht as America's most watched symphony orchestra conductor, Anderson has been praised for her dynamic musicality, expressive technique, and cross-genre repertoire. She has toured to over 22 countries conducting concerts and recording sessions in symphonic, operatic, film, musical theater, and video game genres. She has appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, CBS Morning News, CBS Evening News, and has garnered press coverage in The Wall Street Journal, Variety, Forbes, and Huffington Post. Anderson is founder and conductor of Orchestra Modern NYC, which debuted at Carnegie Hall and Lincoln Center, and has won critical acclaim for her charismatic and visionary accomplishments as creator and conductor of Women Warriors, The Voices of Change, a live-to-picture symphony production and documentary film. Women Warriors has won over 24 international film and music awards, including four Telly Awards, a Hollywood Music and Media Award, a Grammy and Best Classical Compendium, a 2022 BMI Impact Award, a 2023 SCL Jury Award, and has screened at film festivals in more than 12 countries, including the Film Musité International Film Music Festival in Tenerife. Anderson is a devoted teacher and educator and known also for her work with youth orchestras. She was adjunct conducting faculty at the Universität der Künste Berlin, music director of the famed CPE Bach High School of, Com- of Performing Arts in Berlin, and adjunct faculty in media and film scoring at Brooklyn College Feierstein Graduate School of Cinema. In Germany, she conducted the Rheinberg Chamber Opera Festival and Wakersheim Opera Festival for four summer seasons of productions that featured rising opera stars opera singers, and youth orchestras. She is currently conducting faculty at the USC Thornton in the Screen Scoring Department and the Hollywood Music Workshop in Baden, Austria. Current projects include Anderson as co-executive producer on the soon-to-be-released film The Liquid Whale, A Dance of Grief by filmmaker Daniel Kreisberg, featuring the music of Lolita Ritmanis. She is also conductor and co-producer of the soon-to-be-released soundtrack. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you this afternoon? Hello, Tess. Fine. I'm I'm very well, and thank you so much for the invitation. Well, thank you for coming on the show and uh, for for sharing your life with me and my audience. So let's get started. Um, so you were born and raised in a small town on Lake Michigan. What was it like for you growing up in a small town on Lake Michigan? Well, life was very different back then because we didn't have 24-7 social media and computers. So Mm. I spent a lot of time uh, running on the sand dunes and swimming in the water, uh, running through the forest behind our house and building forts. You know, that's all gone now. That's all gone now. And there's there's houses and streets and everything. But I had an idyllic childhood in that sense that I was outdoors most of the time mm. we spent a lot of time outdoors uh-huh. uh and i i i played basketball around and my, my high school track team oh, wow. um and so i it, it it's different i think now than a lot a lot of children's lives yeah for sure yeah so you mentioned that you um you uh, well you were in sports you were in track as well as you also studied piano 
I read that you studied piano, composing, singing in your high school choirs, reading books, and like you competed in track and track and field and basketball. Did you like doing both, or did you prefer one more than the other? Well, I actually loved both, but at a certain point, uh, music became more important to me. And I remember even in my senior year in high school, I, you know, I was captain of the basketball team and I was captain of my track team and I went to the state finals and um, I still have high school track records that haven't been broken. I was, I was that that good. But in my high school um, senior year, music became so important that I, I, I just didn't, I, I couldn't devote as much time to, to track and field as my coach would have wanted me to. And mm. it's, it was very clear to him. I mean, I came to a uh, practice one day and he said, you seem so tired. And I said, yeah, I was up till two o'clock this morning. I was doing my music. I was composing. I was mm-hmm. at the piano. And, he, and I, and I said, you know, it's really important to me now. And he said, I see you've made a choice. Mm. And so it became clear to me that, you know, I, I couldn't do both and yeah. I didn't want to do both. So, Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I studied piano from an early age, and, and music was has was and has been the love of my life. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so you mentioned that you liked sliding down sand dunes, climbing trees, building forts in the woods behind your house, and swimming in the lake in the summer. Did that playfulness influence the way you work in your professional life? Um, yeah, I mean, I... I I think I've always retained a sense of playfulness and curiosity and Mm. spontaneity Mm -hmm. um, that I think is essential um, to being a creative person. And uh, I've always, I've always valued um, that in other people and, 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 and tried to maintain that in myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, through, through just, um, certain activities and um, certain thoughts, uh, processes of not being too constricted, not thinking in the box, mm-hmm. of being flexible, of being spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I think having more of an unstructured childhood in the sense that, you know, we weren't on social media, we weren't on computers. Yeah. We didn't, I didn't have a parent who drove me to six different organized activities. Mm-hmm. We, we roamed during the summer, we, we roamed in the woods wow. and we used to build forts and climb trees. And so there was a, a sense of exploration and creativity. And I think ah. uh, because that was nurtured as a kid, I think that I've taken that into my adult life and um and and maintain that because i i find that valuable but also uh, because it 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 stimulates um that part of the brain that that creates projects that creates visions right right and such thank you okay and i also read that growing up your parents taught you to do household chores yard work and your family camped across the u.s sometimes well never stayed in hotels hiked difficult trails, sometimes through snow and sometimes drove all night. Did you think of these um, experiences as life lessons? Yeah, yeah, these experiences were all life lessons because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, my parents taught us to be sort of fearless and brave and to be adventurous um, and to to not complain. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, we were expected to wash the windows, do the laundry, clean the house, scrub wow. the floors. Uh-huh. We mowed the I mowed, mowed the lawns. We were four daughters. 
you know, shovel the driveway. We put in a sprinkler system, hmm. put in the sod, spread, uh, spread the mulch, worked in the garden. I mean, we did everything around the house and in the yard. And <clears throat> it was wonderful because actually at the time it seemed like it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of hard work, but it was a lot of fun. And it really taught me uh, to just don't complain, mm-hmm. work hard and roll up your sleeves and get yeah. to work. And I think it served me very well because I work incredibly hard and I I, I don't think anything of putting in a 14-hour day hmm. of mm-hmm. work <clears throat> um, day after day after day. Right. Okay. And I have for the last few years done that. And right. it, it, I, I don't even bat an eye at that because I, I think I learned that as a kid that, um, you know, being being willing to work incredibly hard is important. Mm, yes, for sure. Okay, so you moved to Europe and became an EU citizen and lived and worked there for a few years. What made you decide to move there and become an EU citizen? And do you have dual citizenship then? Yeah, I do, oh, okay. actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, so are, are you asking me, are these prompts you're asking me, kind of? Yes. Or... Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, I graduated um, from with my master's degree in conducting um, in New York City at the Manus College of Music, hmm. uh, the new school. And I was eager to conduct opera. Hmm. And... Um, and so I moved to Germany, where I, three months after moving there, jumped in and started doing uh, guest conducting. Ah. I was eager to um, be in Europe, which has, in Germany, which has, it seems like every little town has an opera house. There's like, I think there's 360 opera houses. Wow. And they're busy huh. about um, 10 months a year. Oh, my goodness. They have performances every, every, almost every day of the week. And so that was sort of the land, the land of opera music for me in my in my thoughts. Mm. And so I moved there to um, be become steeped in sort of the European tradition of music and mm-hmm. opera and orchestral practice um, because that that's what my training kind of my training sort of steered me in that direction. So oh, okay. I moved there and I and I worked many many years and toured with youth orchestras. I worked in Berlin. I was te- teaching at a high school performing arts. Wow. Um, I was teaching at the university um, in Berlin. I uh, I was very busy guest conducting. So I, I worked many years there and had quite a, a wonderful, rich life. And then uh, eventually became an EU citizen. Mm-hmm. I have dual citizenry. And uh, and so I, I had a wonderful chapter there for about 15 years. Wow, that's really long. And I mean... Do you think, do you consider yourself um, more at home when you go there? Or do you consider, you know, when you go back to the States, what, you know, do you consider home here or in or in Europe? Or does it, I mean, does it depend on, on where you are and what you're doing? Yeah, I consider both places my home. Hmm. Okay. Um, I feel very at home in Europe because I speak German and I have long established friendships there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel uh, at home in the United States because I'm an American citizen and I have family here. So yeah. I have, I have a foot in both places and mm-hmm. feel 
um, I mean, I, ch- I cherish both of those mm. experiences and both of those privileges to live in both places. That's awesome. Okay, so after a few years of living in Europe, you moved to New York for work opportunities. Did that move make an impact on you, and how so? I came uh, back to the uh, United States to sort of start a new chapter in my life. I felt it was time after being gone for so many years to, to come back to the States. Mm-hmm. And um, I moved to New York City not knowing anybody, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> I came to uh, New York with my son, and um, we, I started basically from scratch. Huh. And um, it was daunting at first, mm-hmm. but I, I joined something called the Society uh, of Composers and Lyricists, the SCL. And I started making friends of, um, and, and colleagues through that organization. And I would go to screenings and go to um, listen to seminars and uh I went to some screenings and some um, seminars out, uh, some meetings out in Los Angeles, and and I started to develop my um, large group of um, colleagues and friends that I now have. Mm-hmm. And I was actually recently awarded the SCL um, Jury Award wow. out in Los Angeles three weeks ago. Congratulations! That's amazing. <laughs> Which I was very, very honored to, very honored to um, accept. Congratulations! So through, through that, through, thank you. Through that organization, I. Um, I actually found a new family uh, in New York City and um, became very comfortable and and felt at home again after returning from so many years of having uh, left after I graduated. Mm. So uh, I, I, it impacted my life. I realized that it is, it is, it is important to, to, to be able to reach out to colleagues Mm -hmm. through sort of professional organizations. I mean, if, if, you know, composers, they're members of, for instance, the Alliance for Women, film composers, there's an alliance for women mm-hmm. who need to connect to each other. And then there's, there's the SCL, right. they connect to each other. And it's it's very important to feel a sense of community because musicians are often, uh, you know, we're independent, we're, you know, contractors, we're independent people. And mm-hmm. we don't go to the office every day and have... Uh, you know, conventional lives. So right. it's important for us to form those relationships and sense of community outside of the conventional means. Right. Okay. So you are the conductor, you are conductor and producer and founder of Orchestra Modern in New York City. What prompted you to create Orchestra Modern? I created Orchestra Modern NYC because I wanted to have an orchestra that would be focused on concerts, promoting and creating socially and culturally relevant programs. Hmm. Um, I, our first debut was at Carnegie Hall in 2017, and we had um, a concert dedicated to immigrants and what they've contributed to this country. Wow. Um, yeah, and it That's was very amazing. successful. It was our debut, and it was wonderful. Huh. And uh, our second concert was at Lincoln Center in 2019. Wow. Okay, so let, let's go back to um, your first concert, which honored immigrants. Why did you want to create that concert? And, and how, did you, how was that funded? Um, did you have backing for that? Our first concert was funded um, by a GoFundMe campaign for two years online. Wow. And uh, it was funded by uh, 
sponsors and donors mm-hmm. uh, and anyone who I could get to contribute, basically. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but why why was it important for you to create a concert, this concert? I was um, watching politics and reading newspapers and thinking about the world and thinking uh, at the time in 2016, 2017, that it was important to, to honor immigrants, mm. uh, how they've enriched our country, how, how we would be um, so much poorer if we didn't have their cultural and linguistic and culinary and liter- literary mm. and artistic contributions. Yeah. And so I um, created a program. It was called The Journey to America from Repression to Freedom. And oh, it featured wow. um, the work of Lolita Ritmanis. Uh, the Overture to Light, which uh, a piece she wrote um, uh, in memory of her parents who fled Latvia when the Russians invaded. Wow. Um, there was a piece by Peter Boyer called Ellis Island, the Dream of America for seven actors and visual imagery, hmm. um, portraying the oral history of seven immigrants who came through Ellis Island. Hmm. Um, and so it was a, it was a concert really... Um, I, 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 a concert I thought was just timely and felt right. Mm, okay. Wow. So you also founded this um, concert called Women Warriors. In 2019, you created Women Warriors, The Voices of Change, and it debuted at Lincoln Center. I mean, that's amazing. But what was what was the um, the thought behind that concert? And and I also read that you created a seventy minute documentary film with with eight composers who scored a soundtrack. But did you have financial backing for that? I also had a GoFundMe campaign for two years online. Oh goodness! Okay. <laughs> and asked people to sponsor and give uh, to Music Resonates five hundred one c three, which supports uh, women and minority composers. Ah, okay. So I founded this New York registered five hundred one c three. And I just reached out to everyone. It took two years to raise enough money um, to fund this. And then, you know, we had ticket sales and we just kind of managed. Oh, my goodness. And you were able to get all these other conductors to be part of this project. Were they were they receptive at the get go? I'm sorry. I got the other composers to be part of the project. Yes. Not conduct. You said conductors. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Composers. I meant composers. So the other composers, were they receptive right away with the project? Well, yeah. I I created this 70-minute documentary film, Mm -hmm. and I divided it into sort of 12 thematic chapters. Right. And um, I first reached out to Lolita Ritmanis, who I had worked with previously at Carnegie Hall. Mm-hmm. And um, I told her about the project, about Women Warriors, and she said immediately that she would love to, to be part of it. And um, so she started creating the, like the pillars of the project, which is the prologue at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and the, long, the, the first big piece, The Long Road, mm-hmm. and then the We Rise at the end. And then mm-hmm. I, but, but I obviously wanted to have more composers. So I um I very carefully sort of researched um, other women composers that I knew mm-hmm. and tried to pair what they as composers sort of do. I, I went to their websites 
and I listened to some of the samples and mm. listened to the orchestration and listened to the textures, listened to the colors. Wow. You know, how, how, how are they richly thematic? Are they more textural? And I tried to pair the composers with the thematic chapters and tried to find a nice sort of collaboration between those two. Yeah. Uh, and then I reached out to them once, one at a time. And some people that I wanted to have in the project said they couldn't because they were busy. They had other uh, projects. I didn't okay. get everyone I wanted, but I, but I ended up with eight incredible women. Yeah. And they each scored, uh, and these chapters and did a remarkable job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw the film and it was beautifully done. It was, I, it was so powerful. Um, how hard was it to find and select the women you highlighted? You know, I mean, and I was like really floored and I thought it was incredible to see how far back you went to highlight these women as far back as 1236, you know, and, and I was just like, how, how were you able to choose you know, which ones to highlight? Yeah, it took about um, 18 months of research. Wow. And I had to carefully go back and, well, it started actually with Fannie Lou Hamer. When I, when I read about Fannie Lou Hamer, who was a civil rights and voting rights activist mm -hmm. in the 1950s, mm -hmm. that she was in Mississippi and she was trying to get people to register to vote. And only because she was trying to get people to register to vote was she was she arrested and thrown mm. in jail and very wow. brutally beaten. Wow. And I saw her, she testified about that on live television. You can see that on YouTube. And I saw her testimony and I saw this incredibly strong woman, mm. courageous, um, telling the truth in a time when, I mean, so many, there are so many reasons for her not to do that, for yeah. her to be afraid to do that. But right. she, but she overcame that, and I thought, on whose shoulders does she stand? Mm. And I thought, oh, my goodness, she, she certainly stands on generations and generations of strong yeah. women. Yeah. And I started to research, and I went back 50 years, and then 100 years, and then 150, and then 200. Wow. <laughs> and I said, and I kept going, and I put more and more women until I went back to around 700 years. Wow. And, and there were hundreds and thousands of women. And then the task was, who to pick right yeah how do they relate to each other mm. how do we i create a line how, how, how does this all make sense it can't just be you know random women there has to be a reason so i had to carefully research them mm. uh and then you know and, and and i kept kind of whittling down the list and mm -hmm. i'd pick this and then no well actually this woman and i spent the long road was the hardest chapter it was seven mm. minutes and 45 seconds of music and images going all the way up to, uh, through the civil rights right. movement. That was the most difficult. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And it took painstakingly, painstaking research to do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was looking at, when I saw the film, and I saw the various chapters, and, I mean, these women have been fighting for issues like education, women's rights, right to vote, climate change, and so many other issues that we're still having to fight. Um why do you think it's so hard for women to be seen and heard even now? You know, we're still going through it. Well, that's a million-dollar question. <laughs> if it was easy to answer, yeah. <laughs> every, the answer would be out there. I mean, you look at Iran now, where I yes. think 1,200 girls have been supposedly poisoned uh, and wow. sickened uh, mm. because they are 
they want to go to school. Right. Yeah. And women in Afghanistan and girls have had most of their fundamental base and fundamental and basic rights taken away and are not even allowed to really leave home. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Why? Yeah. Yeah. Why is this happening? And I, I wish I had the answer. Mm. I mean, we yeah. don't know. Right. I mean, I, I thought, you know, as a young girl that I had, I, I thought that life just progresses and, mm-hmm. and we, we evolve and, um, and I didn't ever imagine that these kinds of things would happen, that our reproductive health rights would be rolled back. Yes. Yeah. And so I wish I had the answer. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm always curious, you know, to find out um, my guest's perspective on this. But, you know, I mean, for you, what was your aha moment when you thought, OK, I need to do something or, you know, what, what can I do? Well, I think um, I went on tour to 65 cities and 22, 14 countries, 65 mm. cities and 14 countries with a live to picture uh, symphony concert wow. uh, a production. And it was um, it was wonderful. And I learned a lot. But I saw that most of the so-called products that are out there are the Star Wars uh, mm. shows. Mm mm-hmm. And um, I mean, they're fabulous and the music mm-hmm. is gorgeous um, and it's Harry Potter, <clears throat> but it's mostly a male driven narrative. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we li- I think most women don't we don't know our own history. Yeah. When I went to school, we learned about, you know, um, men on sailing ships with telescopes and, and wars and conquering countries and all those things, which is part of history. Mm hmm. But I didn't learn anything that I could relate to. Mm. And so I was on this tour and I saw these shows and I said, we need an orchestra concert with our heroes. Mm. Yeah. And so my aha moment was, oh, my goodness, this has never been done before. Mm -hmm. So a team of eight composers Mm -hmm. and a female creator, writer, director and conductor we, we created the first live-to-picture symphony concert that's ever been done. That's There's amazing. nothing else like it in the world. Yeah. And I felt it was time. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, when I, from the crowd, the way they screamed and shouted at Lincoln Center, mm. uh, you know, and it was men and women, and there were 12-year-olds, and there was even a friend of mine who was 95 years old. Wow. They all said, this is for everyone, and, and it was thrilling for them, so... Wow. I, I I know that it's 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 the right time. Right. It's the right time for this. Yeah. Oh man, I, you I just got goosebumps because I, I you know I so believe that it is now is the time. You know, it's been way I think it's been way overdue. <laughs> if if we can actually say that, I think it's been overdue. Um. So, you know, did you? Did you have, I mean, can you mention a time when you thought you needed to do something that would affect your life and others? I mean, is the concert one of those? Yeah, I, I devoted five years of my life to creating Women Warriors and to to the creation, to the production, to the concert, to the recording of the album, hmm. the creation of, the, which turned in, and, and then the creation of the independent film, which went to film festivals. Yeah and won a bunch of awards, I, 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 I felt compelled 
to bring my vision to life because I knew it would serve a higher purpose. Mm. And I actually formed a, a production company called Higher Purpose Productions. Oh, because wow. I had this vision. Uh-huh. I, I, I had this vision that I was going to be called to do something. And I went to sleep and I said, please tell, I sort of asked the universe, please mm. tell me what my higher purpose is. Huh. And I woke up in the morning and I heard higher purpose productions. Wow. And I said, oh, I need to create a production company. Huh. And so <laughs> I felt, uh, you know, Women Warriors and Voices of Change came to me in a dream. That's why. And I woke up one morning and I heard Women Warriors of Voices of Change. That's why. And I had a series of sort of dreams and I, I had this conversation with Fannie Lou Hamer mm. in kind of a half sleep state. <laughs> and I said, This has come to me or come through me. And now I have an obligation to see it to fruition, no right. matter what it takes. Wow. And so I gave everything that I possibly could from the deepest part of myself. To, to give birth to this, so to speak, because I felt somehow it was it was meant to, to, to be out in the world. And it had, it's much greater than me, and it has a larger purpose. Right, yeah. So did you experience any feedback, any negative feedback or pushback when you decided to create Women Warriors, the Voices of Change? Or was it basically like, where was your project supported from the get-go? Well, my, the composers that I engaged for this were, I mean, absolutely in from the first moment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I told nobody else about it. Ah, okay. I didn't show anybody the film. <laughs> I didn't consult with anyone. I didn't ask anybody to go check the historical facts. Right. I yeah. didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't show anybody any of the footage. None of the composers knew anything else except their own chapter. They didn't know how mm. it fit together. Wow. Uh, and I did that because I didn't want anyone to discourage me along the way mm-hmm. i didn't want anyone to say oh well haven't you thought of this or haven't you thought of that wow and so i um i actually kept it for myself mm-hmm. and i worked for two years on it mm-hmm. and it wasn't until the dress rehearsal at lincoln center uh-huh. when i was up on stage conducting and the composers were behind me uh-huh. and i turned around and i looked at them and i saw them with wide eyes huh. that i realized they had never even seen the whole show before. Oh, my goodness. And I asked them, what were you thinking? And they said, oh, my gosh, we had absolutely no idea how this was all going to hold together. Wow. That's and amazing. it was that moment of thinking and realizing, I'm glad that I just trusted my instinct. I'm mm. glad that I trusted that I knew how to, to carry this into the world. Mm-hmm. And that if I had asked people for advice, I mean, it's usually good to collaborate with people mm-hmm. and ask people advice. Right. But in, but for some reason, I knew that in, for this project, I had to be singular in my my vision of doing it, doing it the way that I thought was right. Because yeah. otherwise, I could have gotten sidetracked or discouraged. So right. I mean, I thank goodness it turned out to be the right answer. <laughs> no, I and I think that's wonderful. I think it's so um, powerful. It's so powerful because the, you really birthed this project you really created it from the ground up and it's so I I really was blown away when I saw it and I was like oh my goodness I don't you know I had no idea what to expect and it just blew me away the amount of the gorgeous music you know and and just the footage of even things that I didn't even know about 
you know, but the whole thing about DDT blew me away. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so wild to see that, you know, on the yeah. screen. I'm like, and to do that, <laughs> and to do that slow motion yeah. with music. Yes, it like, was who wild. Who would ever have thought of that? <laughs> yeah, that was so wild. I'm like, oh my gosh, like it was really like every piece really resonated with the um the the film segment, which I thought was really beautifully done so thank you for creating you. that oh my gosh oh well thank you for appreciating that oh my gosh um I was actually with my mother-in-law last night and I was telling her about this and she was like I had never heard of that I was like well I will <laughs> you're gonna have to like I'll have to tell you more about it um but it was right. really so awesome you know um and so who would you credit for where you are now yeah I would credit my mom um, for where I am now, as well as my childhood piano teacher, my high school choir director, and my high school track coach. Mm. Those those were key people in my life mm-hmm. uh, who really supported me. My mom taught me how to work incredibly hard mm-hmm. and to be tough and to always get back up. And my my high school track coach, I mean, he was... He was incredible and really supported me. And, and then my choir director and my piano teacher, um, they were always there for me and always encouraged me, always encouraged me. I mean, mm. I was, I was, I was uh, lucky to have a family who, could, who had a piano mm-hmm. and who could afford piano lessons. Mm-hmm. And I, I was lucky and privileged to have parents who could send me to a higher, to get higher education. Mm. Yeah. Um, and and you know that's not to be taken for granted. Right. Yeah. I was very very lucky to be able to go to college. Wow. So th- those were pivotal moments mm-hmm. in my life, having having you know piano lessons as a child, having a stable high school, and to go to college. Mm. Wow. Okay, so you have twenty four film and music awards, a Grammy, a BMI Impact Award, and most recently. A Society for Composers and Lyricists Jury Award. So moving forward, do you have any personal goal or is there something you haven't yet done that you would like to try? With Women Warriors, the Voices of Change, you mean? Oh, um, no, past, well, I guess n- with that or even something more than that? Well, I would like to um, take... Women Warriors of Voices of Change live concert, and I'd like to tour across the United States and mm. go to Europe from orchestra to orchestra. I'd wow. like it to, to be engaged uh, and, and taken by orchestras. Okay. Um, that's going to take some work, but that's that's my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other goal is to um, bring the production to colleges and universities in uh. a mini, mini residency program. Okay. And to go to a, to a university for like a week, uh-huh. have have orchestra rehearsals teach the orchestra how to you know coach them how to play the music and how to play with a click track because it re- requires you to use technology to play to picture mm-hmm. so teach them how to play with a click track have zoom sessions uh with the composers mm-hmm. and the student mm-hmm. i could teach you conducting master class my tech director who would travel with me he could also do a master class on how to run a live show Hmm. we could have zoom master class with our recording engineer uh, with mixing and mastering engineer we could we could do like an unbelievable week at a university and then have a concert there 
oh. have a live concert and then have a pre then have a pre concert or a post concert uh, panel mm-hmm. with women's studies and gender studies and um, wow. uh, environmental sciences and and that sort of thing film yeah. composers uh, and have a, a, a wonderful panel and talk about what this experience has been and take questions from the audience. So that that's my dream to mm. take it to colleges and universities mm-hmm. and then to go to, um, you know, in the regular concert hall, mm-hmm. but then also take to have the film be lent out through my educational nonprofit to, um, to schools, mm-hmm. to middle schools and to high schools and to schools and in, in smaller communities that don't have access to, to um, orchestras. Right. And right now, um, at the Saizen International School, which has an inter-baccalaureate program in Tokyo, uh-huh. they have adopted Women Warriors film into the permanent collection into the fine arts department. Wow, that's and we wild. just yesterday, yeah, and Wednesday, yesterday, on International Women's Day, I had a Zoom with the students there, and um, they've studied all the music. I gave them access to all the scores, uh-huh. 19 scores, uh-huh. and they picked out the music they wanted to study, and they watched the film, and they're doing their final paper in their fine arts course huh. on Women Warriors. And uh, we just recently recorded two new tracks for it. We have a new chapter um, on the pandemic, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was scored by Ching Shen Cheng. And there's an anti-war chapter, which I scored, mm. uh, and we recorded that in, in Latvia to, uh, in September. So I told them, we have two new chapters, I'll add it to the film, mm-hmm. and uh, she said, we, we have it in our permanent collection. And every year, they're going to have uh, a, a six-week, well, actually, it's a two-month um, segment mm-hmm. on the Women Warriors, which is sort of music and society. Wow. So I would like to, to loan this... Um, to uh, schools around the world uh-huh. um, as a nonprofit endeavor um, for for classroom study. Yeah, yeah, that's so amazing. I think you know you're spreading the word about your film and also inspiring so many others to get involved and and to just really like you know take that film and and the music and and see how they can put in their own interpretation to that. I love that. That is so wild. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so if anyone wanted to know more about Women Warriors, um, the Voices of Change, and more about you, how would they go about you? How would they go about it? You can go to womenwarriorsthevoicesofchange.com mm-hmm. and read about the project, the history, about the composers, We've got photographs, we have a gallery, we have videos. Everything Women Warriors is located on that site. And if they want to find out about me personally, they can go to amyandersonconductor.com to find more about me. Okay. So is there anything you would like to say to my listeners? Uh, If I had any advice, I would tell my listeners this. When I was a young girl, I asked somebody, because people used to always ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. That was a question. Everybody, what do you want to be? And so I asked somebody, how did you decide what you wanted to be when you grew up? I asked an adult. Mm-hmm. And this person said to me, decide what you love and invisible hands will guide you. Mm, I love that. And I get choked up because I took that to heart. Yeah. I decided what I wanted to love 
which mm. was music. Mm-hmm. And invisible hands guided me. Wow. And I guided myself. Yeah. And as Steven Spielberg says, listen to the whisper. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen to the whisper. It tells you the truth. It will guide you. If you quiet your mind enough, yeah. if you're calm enough, you listen to the whisper. You listen to Women Warriors of Voices of Change that comes in the morning. Mm. If you quiet yourself, you get higher purpose productions, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. in the morning. And I always trusted that. I listened to the whisper, and I trusted that invisible hands would guide me. Mm. And I would tell my listeners those two words of advice. Mm. I love that. Thank you. So if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would it be? Or would there be any? I wouldn't change anything Hmm. because I like to look forward and like to move forward with all the wisdom that I've gained through difficulties and struggles and triumphs. And I would take everything that I learned and move forward, but I I don't look back because it serves no purpose. Right. Okay. And my last question is, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? If I could go back in time, I would tell my younger self to be kinder to yourself, love yourself a little bit more, and that life is not a competition and a race. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's nobody's business what they think of you. Mm. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on my show and for sharing your life and your work with me and my listeners. Um, I am really so honored to have you on my show and thank you for sharing the film with me. I, I was so really, I loved it. It was amazing. And kudos to you and for listening to the whisper and for listening to yourself, you know, trusting yourself. I think that's so amazing and so cool, you know, and, and I think a lot of times we forget that we can listen to ourselves and we should, (laughs) you know, and, and just, if you're quiet enough, like you said, you know, if you listen, then you know what to do. So thank you for that. Um, And, and for showing, you know, showing the world, you know, there's so much out there that still needs work to be done, but we're doing it. You know, there's definitely work that's being done. And I, I, I am so um, honored again. And good luck with your initiatives. And, you know, moving forward, I hope you continue. And I can't wait to see the next one or the next project. So, um, you know, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tess. Well, you know, I will speak with you soon. So have a good day and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Amy Anderson on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Women. You can listen to Revolutionary Women on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is 
patreon.com slash revwoman.